Praise the Lord, saints of God. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to start a whole new series. This series is entitled The Big Picture. God has a plan for man. He has a plan for you. And I'm telling you, his plan just blows my mind. We had a phenomenal time in today's service, and I believe that you're going to enjoy the Word of God today as well. Don't forget to join us 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. There you can find today's message and a whole lot more. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and become our friend on Facebook. I know it's going to bless you and it's going to bless me just to know that you are there. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled The Big Picture, Part 1 of the series, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Today we're going to be um, speaking from the subject of, can anybody guess? The big picture. That's correct. The big picture. There's a big picture uh, that God is unveiling uh, to the body of Christ today. The big picture. And uh, we're about to head off on that exit. It's the next exit ahead of us. It's the next big, the next big thing uh, that's about to happen to the body. And uh, we've got to be ready and prepared in order to receive this next big thing that God is about to do and is already doing. So, again, it's going to require all of us to tune in and receive what God is saying. Amen? Amen. We are, of course, we are out of the, uh, the Field of Blood uh, series. Maybe the Lord will have us pick it back up another time. I don't know. I just try my best to hear what are you saying now and be a good parakeet. You understand? That's all I want to do. Tashi, that's all I want to do is be a good parakeet or be a good dummy, as some would say. Let God put his hand up my back and move my mouth, Lord. Move my mouth. Throw your voice, Lord. Throw your voice. That's all I want to be. And Christian, that's all I want to do. That's all. That's all I want to do. So let's get into this as we are led by the Spirit of God today. The big picture. Now, let me tell you, um, as we're getting into this message, there is something that the Lord's really been dealing with me about. And this is being, uh, there are two aspects of the Spirit-led life. Two aspects of the Spirit-led life. One, uh, we can walk after the Spirit. And the other, we can walk in the Spirit. You'll find these two examples, they're all throughout the Scripture, uh, walking after the Spirit, you'll find there in Romans 8, verse number 1, and walking in the Spirit, you'll find there in Galatians 5, 16. There is a difference between the two. You walk after Him until you can walk in Him. Your goal is to walk in Him. You follow after until you can walk in. Are you hearing? Our walk with God is progressive. We follow until we walk in. Not always out front, but we come in. Our desire is to become one with him. Amen. Is to become one with him. There are, now on that note as well, let me tell you this. The Lord's really been dealing with me about this. Man is, uh, we know as a uh, three parts to what man has three parts to his being we know that we are spirit we live in a body and we possess a soul undeniable this concept runs all throughout the word of God in order for us to be led of the spirit to walk after the spirit and then to walk in the spirit we got we have to understand that we're in those three parts now the body is meant to be subject to the soul you're not meant to be controlled by your body or by your flesh. That's a bad day, Jack, when you're just controlled by your flesh. Amen. Controlled by your feelings or con- uh, rather controlled by what pleasures you. Okay, that's a bad day when we simply run after pleasure. When people run after pleasure, we'll run over or we'll, we won't uh, use our soul. Now, the soul is made up of your mind, your will, your intellect, your memories. Yeah. You're a place, the place of your decisions. 
When someone's running uh, completely by their flesh or by their body, they're seeking after pleasure, you'll ignore the words of mind. You ignore your own thinking that, hey, this is not wise to do. But when we're so pleasure-driven, we'll walk over the soul. Amen. Here again. So, but then there's one other part of us, and that is the part, if we're born again, that is the part that is made in the image of God. That is the part that has been renewed uh, in the Spirit of God. That is the part that has come through the womb of the Spirit. That is your human spirit, that newly made human spirit that, is, that has been born again. Now, your body is meant to be in subjection to your soul. Yes. Okay, the body is meant to be subject to the soul. The soul is meant to be subject to your human spirit. Your human spirit is to be subject to the Holy Spirit. It flows downward. Flows downward. Here again, body subject to soul. Your soul subject to your spirit. Your spirit subject to the Holy Spirit. And we live downward in that capacity. Any other way can be a distraction and you find yourself going off in another direction. We live by the Spirit. We walk after the Spirit and then we will walk in the Spirit. In doing this, the Bible is very clear, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We won't walk off in some some other direction. You find yourself getting in trouble when you're following the spirit, or rather when you're following uh, the flesh, or when you're following your soul solely, and you're not paying attention to what the spirit of God is saying to you. Does that make sense? So you have to declare it. You have to speak to your body because it belongs to you, right? You have to speak to your own body and say, body, you are in, I submit you, or you are subject to the soul, to my soul. You will not do what you want to do. You will do what the soul says do. And then you speak to your soul and say, soul, you are now subject to the spirit. You will not move. You will not. When the spirit of God says something to you, spirit, spirit man, you will follow. When your spirit, listen, but when your soul, uh, when your soul is in control, if God says something, uh, then, you, then we'll begin to think about it. Well, should I do that? I don't know. I've heard from God. Yeah, I know it was him, but should I do that? Because the soul is in control. The soul becomes the umpire. The soul should not be the umpire. It is the spirit of God that should be the umpire. When the spirit releases a word, when the spirit releases uh, a desire, it should go straight from, I would say often, from the lips of the Lord to your actions. There should be no block in between. He says it, it's done. He says it, it's done. It should not be, he says it, we stop and think, oh boy, hmm, hmm. What would cause an individual to hesitate? The soul. Are you hearing? So we have to live from the spirit down. Where the spirit of God is in control, we're led by him. We follow after him until we are in him. Are you hearing? Till we walk in him. As you walk in the spirit, this is where you're going to see miracles. This is where you're going to see signs and wonders because there is nothing hindering his flow through your life. And this has nothing to do with your age. Nothing to do with your age, whether you're 100 or whether you're 10. The Spirit of God, as long as the Spirit is in control of your human spirit, and your human spirit uh, is dominating your soul, and your soul is dominating your body, you will see the power of God unfolded in your life. Does that make sense to you? So let's look at the big picture. Now, let me give you these uh, points as well. Now, we've been discussing a little bit of this on, on Wednesday nights for quite a bit. So those of you who haven't been there for Wednesday nights, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I believe that you'll pick up on this. There are three types of people that come to the sanctuary. 
uh, come in our fellowships worldwide, no matter what church they go to, there are three types of persons that are there. Three R's. One are the religious crowd who come in to fulfill a quota to make themselves feel better. They say, well, I feel better when I go to church. It's something that I ought to do. It is not about Jesus. It is not about God. It's to make them feel better. They're fulfilling a religious quota. It makes them feel better when they go to church. It feels like this is their duty, something that they ought to do. Second, the second one are the repentant. Are those who are truly born of God. They're really born again. They're really born again. They've received Jesus and then they've sat down. Even as Gene said on the other uh, Wednesday night, they have their fire insurance. Well, I'm not going to hell. That's a great thing. They got their fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. So they've come into the door and they sat down. And they just sit. These are the ones we would say that sit, soak, and sour. These ones that we say become spiritually bloated. The word of God does not go through them. They don't have an intention to do it. They're not living intentionally. These are the ones who are passive, or we would say also they are carnal Christians. The word of God has not had expression, so they just come in and sit. So we have the religious crowd, we have the repentant uh, crowd, and then we also have the resolute crowd. The resolute. These are the actual followers of Christ. These are the ones who are actually following Christ. These are the ones who are bearing fruit. These are the ones that are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the ones that are active and their relationship with God is intentional. Intentional. It is by their intention. They intend to pray. They intend to get closer to God. They are purposed to get closer to God. These are the ones, as we said, are actually following God, are actually active in the work of the Lord. These are the ones that are living from the spirit down and not living from their soul. They're living from the spirit. So the question is, which one are you? It is my goal to move you from religion, from the front door, from a penitent heart or repentant heart. Hallelujah, you got saved. But now let's go on to be resolute. Now let's go on to seek after God and give him all that we have. Now let's go on and give him the best of us, all of us. And not part and not a little bit. Not I'll give you Sunday, but Monday is my time. Tuesday is my time. You know, Lord God, you know, Friday, I got the boogaloo. Saturday, I got to get my drink on with, with the girls. I got to get my drink on with the boys. You understand that, God, right? So we need to move from the religious, move from the repentant to the resolute. It is my goal to move from that to... To not just walk after the Spirit, but walk in the Spirit. Are you understanding? That's our goal. That's our goal. Come hell or high water, that's my goal. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the Lord. I want to see His work fulfilled in my life. That's my goal. I want to see Him. That's my goal. That should be your goal. Hallelujah. So there is a big picture that is unfolding. Now, let me tell you God's plan for man. I feel like, the, feel like I have the beginnings of a book. Well, you'll get some of it today. God has a plan for man. And let me say it this way. God has a plan for you. Regardless of your age, I tell you, you will see miracles, signs, and wonders, prophetic utterances, even coming from a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a five-year-old. You'll see, regardless of age, God's looking for open and willing vessels. Are you hearing? God's plan for you, God's plan for man, God's plan for you is this. God wants you, let me give you the big picture, first of all. God wants you to rule 
to rule his, he wants to rule his entire kingdom through your human spirit as the spirit of God works in you and through you. You'll see that throughout the book of Revelation and throughout the word of God, how God wants to rule his entire kingdom. We say it this way, through his spirit, working through your human spirit. Are you hearing me? He wants to rule through his offspring. He wants to rule through the spirit of man, the born again believer. He wants to rule through his church. The church is the body of Christ. And there's a certain segment of the body of Christ that is also called the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ is very clear from the book of Revelation are those that are members of the body of Christ that have made themselves ready. The bride hath made herself ready. Another example of one of those three R's, the repentant and those that are resolute. When you came to church today, none of us, I don't think any of us put on your pants and shirt by accident. I don't think it was by accident that you stepped into your shoes. You were purposed. You made a decision. You were purposed. And you knew what you wanted to do. It may take you a while to, to figure out what you wanted to put on. But you made a decision. Everybody made a decision or we'd be naked in here today. Yes, praise God. We all made a decision. And we carried that decision out. Are you with me? So... The bride has made herself ready. Uh, for this purpose, the Father has endowed or granted, commissioned, or furnished uh, you with unimaginable power and authority in the Spirit. God has given you unimaginable power and authority. If you are a born-again believer, and I pray that you hear this, if you are a born-again believer... Uh, that is seeking after God, not only walking after the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit, He has given you unimaginable power and authority. Unimaginable power and authority. The first Adam, as written there in the book of uh, Genesis, the first Adam, as perfect as he seemed to be, was not God's complete intended thing for mankind. He was not. He was merely the foundation of another race of beings who would also be known as the sons of God. John 1.12. This race of beings wouldn't be formed from the earth like the first Adam, but would be birthed out of the womb of the spirit. John, John 3.6 and also John 1.13. And would bear the image of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. This is the race of beings that God intended that would bear the image of the last Adam, bear the image of his son, Jesus. Adam and Eve, although they seemed to be perfect, did not bear the image of Christ. The blood of Christ was not shed upon them. Adam and Eve, although they were seen to be in a perfect state, did not have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of them. Adam was simply the foundation of what God would do in this other race of beings that he would create. You are born again. If you have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, you have been born again. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Your spirit man has become new. This is a new species of being that has not that has not been created before. This is a new race of beings. Although your body is the same and you have the same thoughts, your mind, your spirit now has, rather your soul has to be renewed in the knowledge of God. You have to begin to think a different way now, act a different way, function a different way, but you have not existed. You were not in existence until you were born of God. You were twice born. Are you with me today? All those who would place their faith in Christ and who 
would purposefully be led by his spirit would become his offspring. Yes, Lord God. Holy God. They are the overcomers and would be duly authorized to rule with Christ in heavenly places. Are you hearing? Jesus said in Revelation, the third chapter, verse 21, this is what he said. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. Now I'm about to make another big statement. Are you ready? Yes, it is God's plan for us, for you, to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 17 tells us that. And it is also his plan for us to reign with him and as him throughout his kingdom. You will discover that God not only calls you, causes you or called you to reign with him, but reign as him. I did not say you will be almighty God. I say you will reign as him. What am I talking about? Give this example of a mother who leaves their, or mother and father who leaves their children with a babysitter. They tell the, they tell the children, while we are gone, you are under the direction and authority of this babysitter. And in my absence, you will follow their... Now, of course, you trust the babysitter. Now we know that there's some strange babysitters out there today. All things being equal. You trust this babysitter. You know the character of the babysitter. All things being equal, okay? You tell the children, you will follow their instructions as if I gave them to you. When they say it's time to go to bed, you go to bed. When they say it's time to turn TV off, don't give me the back lip. You turn the TV off. The babysitter not only rules with you, but as you in that context. Are you hearing? So you are commissioned by God, and you'll see this, not only to rule with him, but also as him in his kingdom. Now, again, this is not a, a, far, a, far, um, a far-fetched concept because, I mean, if you look at it, uh, the Word also declares that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God's Spirit yes. is within you. Yes. Scripture says, greater is he who is within you than he that is in the world. Yes. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says clearly those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And even uh, Jesus Christ himself prayed this prayer, and I love this in John 17. John 17, verse 21 through 23, it says this, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, uh, that they also may be one in us, that we may be one in him. There is a holy baptism that is taking place. When someone has been baptized or is in the process of baptism, they're under the water. You don't see them anymore. All you see is the water that is surrounding them. If you're if they're being baptized in a lake and we're on the shore and we're looking out in the lake and the preacher or whoever puts them down in the lake, you no longer see them. They're being baptized. The water has completely submerged them, completely covered them. You no longer see them. You only see the lake, although they are still there. Amen. They have been completely surrounded. And this is that oneness that God is calling for. Are you hearing? He said that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me. Hear that. I in them. Jesus said, I will be in them. And God, Father, you are in me. That's a oneness with God. Amen. Are you hearing? Yes, Lord. 
I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. It says, uh, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. Verse 1 through one more time. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Well, so when the Lord says, and I'm telling you that not only will we reign with him, uh, we can say for him, with him, but also as him, also consider as well that uh, some on a daily basis or some on a monthly basis, we partake of the very uh, DNA of God in the form of communion. We receive his body and we receive his blood. This also further uh, brings in the concept of being one with God. Now, let me also give you another illustration here in Psalm, the eighth chapter, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Word of God. Now, here, remember, uh, as you're getting uh, Psalm 8, I'll read for you in a second. Understand something that God has called us not only to, uh, to reign, but he also called us that, uh, that he said that we would sit with him, seat be seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we know that Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There is no other being that we know of that is able to sit in God's presence. There are angels in God's presence, but they stand in his presence. We're called to sit with him. <sighs> Look at Psalm 8. Psalm 8 verses four through six. Let me read this for you. It says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him or that you have cared about him. Verse five, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Underline that word angels are highlighted. For thou hast made him who is him man a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, the King James Bible translate, translate the, the word angels here. The word angels here in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. Elohim. And Elohim does mean angels, but it also means divine ones, rulers, judges. It means God, the one true God. Which would make sense even more so throughout the whole scripture context of scripture. How God has made man a little lower than God, a little lower than himself. For who else could he get to rule with him other than those that he made a little lower than himself? For us to reign with God, for God, and as God, then we're going to have to have great authority. Now, we already understand that God has called us to be one with him. We already understand that we are seated with him in heavenly places, seated with Christ in heavenly places, and Christ is seated, is seated at the right hand of God. We already understand the Lord said to those who overcome, will he grant to sit with him in his throne, just as he sat with, the, just as he overcame and sat with his father in his throne. We already understand that, but understand this. It says, we have been made a little lower. We have been made. The spirit of man, the born again spirit of man has been made a little lower than God. And listen, and has been crowned with glory, uh, crowned with glory and honor. And it says, and um, thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. And hath put all things under his feet. Now, why is that important? Everything that is in existence was made by the hand of God. If it, if it were in existence and it was not made by God, that would be an impossibility because everything came from God. Amen. Now, there are some things in existence that have been perverted, yes. but the base elements have been made by God. Yes. God said, I've given you the authority over the works of my hands. Sickness 
was something that was made by the base elements of God, but it has been perverted. Therefore, sickness is also under our jurisdiction, under our command. I have authority over sickness. I have authority over disease. If you can see it, you have authority over it. He says he's given you authority over the works of his hands. Let me tell you this as well. Angels are also created by God. Demons, of course, in their fallen state were also created by God. Lucifer himself, the archangel Satan, fallen state, but also created by God. Which means I have no need to fear these things because the word of God says that he has given me dominion, power, and authority over the works of his hands and have placed all things under our feet. Now, why is that true? Here again, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So it fits that all things will be under our feet because they're, because as we're sitting with him, then they're also under his feet. Are you hearing? Now, here's the, here's the tremendous thing. The person that sits highest in the room is the one who has the most authority. This is why you see uh, in, in uh, the, uh, the, the courthouses, you see the judge sitting up higher than anyone else in the courtroom. When you go into uh, a, a throne room where they have actual kings and things of that nature, you'll see the highest seat right there belongs to the king. When you go into the Senate or the, or the, the um, House of the Republicans and all those other places there, when you go into there, you'll see the highest seat belongs to the speaker of that house. Highest seat, the ones in authority. The higher you go determines how much authority you have. The higher you go. Well, the Bible is very clear that when Jesus was crucified and when he was resurrected from the dead, he ascended above all heavens. Still trying to figure that one out. He ascended above all heavens. Now we know that there are three heavens. The heavens are the atmosphere here uh, in, in the earth realm. That's where you see the clouds and things of that nature. Also the abode of demonic powers in the first heaven. Then you see the second heaven, which is outer space. And the third heaven, which is the highest heaven, is that's where the throne of God is, the highest heaven. The Bible says that Jesus ascended above all heavens, which means that he, God has given him supreme mastery over everything. Everything. Basically, here again, over the works of his hands. And so when we are seated with Christ, here again, we also have dominion over the works of his hands through Christ. This is a part of the big picture. Now, I hope that you're hearing because I'm about to close. There's so much more I can tell you. Here's a question. There, there should be no doubt, and I pray that there's no doubt if you have a believing heart, there should be no doubt that the born-again believer is superior to all of the things that God has created. Because even the Bible says that man, that the born-again believer, will judge the angels. Don't you know that you will judge the angels? And for some reason, people say, uh, when so-and-so did, well, he's become an angel. God need another angel in heaven. He need another angel. And I hear some people say, well, maybe God make me an angel. Why would the Lord want to do that? I appreciate, and there are angels in this building right now, I appreciate the, the ministry of angels. Angels, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. God says that they are ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. God brought them here to protect and to cover and to, and to do business and to conduct warfare on our behalf. I appreciate them. But in the order of creation, angels have been made lower than us. How can I rule over someone that has dominion over me? I'm not becoming an angel. I'm becoming like God. Does that make sense to you? So we are becoming like him. My goal is not to become an angel. That's a perversion. My goal is to become like Christ, to become like him, to become like God. Yes, 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 Jesus. 
And that is only accomplished through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Another five minutes and then we're going to close out today. There is no doubt again that the born again believer is superior among all of God's creations. But the question is, why don't we see a manifestation of power? Why don't we see his presence on a wide scale? If God's dwelling in you and you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and you have the ear of God, you can talk to God and he will listen to you and he will answer you. The question would be, question has to be asked, why are we still sick? Why are we at times feeling so helpless? Why are we at times so fearful? Well, there are several answers to these questions. To the question of why we, why by and large the church seems to be powerless. It is this that we're going to discover on this exit. I will give you today just one simple answer and then we'll go further as we go in this series of the big picture we're going to discover and uncover. Discover and uncover. Discover and uncover. And as we discover and uncover, you will find the power of God beginning to come alive in your life in a way that you've never seen before. My son and I were outside yesterday um, washing the cars and when he turned the water hose on, at uh, the other end of the holes that had the nozzle on it, he pulled the little trigger there and water just came out just a little bit. I said, son, do you have the water hose all the way on? He said, yes. Then he went back around the house and he discovered that the holes had a kink in it. The holes was knotted up. There was nothing wrong with the water. There was nothing wrong with the spigot on the side of the house. There was nothing wrong with the water hose. There was nothing wrong with the nozzle on the other end. But the power was hung up somewhere in the middle. It is God's intent that you walk with power. It is God's intent that you walk with authority. It is God's intent that you walk with the power of Christ. The Lord said, these, these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name, you're going to cast out devils and demons. You're going to lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You're going, you're going to do great and mighty things. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. Because he's going to the Father. But we cannot get there by being passive. We got to be active. We got to be active. We got to be active. One answer to this question is, and we'll go deeper into this answer the next time. Why aren't we seeing the power of God released? Because the church wants to operate in the grace gifts while still abiding under the restraints of law. One operating grace gifts while still operating under the restraints of law. Let me give you another big statement. This will be my last statement for the day. When we come back together, Lord willing, we'll continue in this. You will never operate in or receive a miracle from God under the mindset of earn, deserve, or entitled. You can't earn a gift that has been freely given to you. These concepts of earn, deserve, entitled, worthy, fit, are all a part of the system of law and not grace. The grace of God is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. That is what grace is, the unmerited, undeserved um, favor of God. Blessings through faith and not through works alone. 
You find it hard to receive a miracle or to pray for someone else or even to receive a miracle in your own life when you feel as though you haven't deserved it or you haven't done enough. When God says, I want to freely give it to you. But we hold up the miracle. We hold up his grace in our lives because we look at our own selves and say, I don't deserve to have this. There's nothing wrong with the water holes. There's nothing wrong to speak it on the house. There's nothing wrong with the other end of the, of the water holes. But there's a kink in the middle. And as long as we abide under these terms or concepts of earn or entitled or I'm not worthy or I haven't done enough. As long as we abide under these legalistic type of terms, you will not receive your miracle. Because you will hem up the hand of God. I've seen someone and I, 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 was with, I was with someone the other day and I tried my best to bless them. I had resources. Praise God. God has richly blessed me. Praise the Lord. He has richly blessed me. How? I tried my best to bless, but they would not receive it. I pushed and I pushed until I thought, well, let me just be quiet. Let me just be quiet. I want to do something for you. No. I want to do something for you. No. I want to do something for you. No. How many times, and I appreciate that moment because it illustrates a point. How many times has God wanted to get something to you? Or wanted to get something through you? The power was present. But we said no. It is not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. So this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to ask God to reveal to you any part of you that is in resistance to his will. And we're going to have to abandon the concepts of worthiness. Get in your heart, your head already. You're not worthy of the blessing. You don't deserve the blessing. You know what we deserve as a human race? Hell. Can anybody debate me on that? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot say we deserve the next breath of air or the next heartbeat. We cannot say that we deserve anything that is good, especially on the basis of our own goodness. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be used by God. You don't deserve it. And God is not going to use you based on your deservedness. He's going to use you because he loves you. He'll use you despite you. He looks beyond your fault and sees your need. And he will give it to you. Not on the basis of your goodness, which is not good. But on the basis of his goodness. If we all had to wait to be good enough to be saved, we would never get saved. It would be impossible. How much goodness could we manufacture to be good enough to receive Jesus, Lord and Savior? We can't. And just like you didn't deserve to be saved, you're not going to deserve that God would use you in great and mighty ways more than you could ever think or imagine. It's a free gift, something that he wants to do through you, but we must unknot the holes. And to do that, you've got to talk to God. I pray for the word of God today. We'll stop there in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, we thank you, Lord. You are magnificent. You are glorious. And Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I want to pray for you now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you reveal to your people any and every hindrance that they have for receiving your miracle. Lord, reveal any areas of pride. Reveal any areas of unworthiness. Reveal it, O God. Reveal it, O God. Reveal it, O God. Lord, tear down the walls of of earning. Tear down the walls of deserving. Tear down those walls, Father. Tear down those concepts. 
We openly and freely admit we don't deserve anything. But Lord, through your grace, you have saved us. Through your grace, you have empowered us. Through your grace, we have received your great love. Through your grace, Father, through your grace. We can even declare, as Paul declared, I am what I am by the grace of God. Father, I pray that you would search us now. Search us. Search the hearts. Great Holy Spirit, search the hearts. Reveal that area. Reveal the kink in the hose that is preventing the flow. Reveal the kink in the hose. Whether it was a, a past experience whether it is doubt or unbelief or unforgiveness, Lord, reveal the place for the miracles are needed. We are desperate for your move. We are desperate for your presence. We are desperate for revival. We are desperate for you. Holy reveal, Father. Holy reveal that we may see. And then, Lord, I pray that you give us the grace through your spirit to overcome that thing in Jesus' mighty name, that the holes be unknotted, that the power would flow, finally flow through our bodies, finally flow in our homes and in our ministries and on the workplace and everywhere we go, that your power would flow. Reveal the unrepented sin. And give us grace, O oh God, not just to follow after your spirit, but to walk in your spirit. Father, we cannot do this without you. There's no point even starting it without you. There's no point in starting it without you. So, Father, we invite you in. We invite you in. We invite your presence in. Holy Spirit, go ahead. Move among us. Move in us. Move through us. Go ahead. Show us. Show us what we need to repent on. Show us what we need to renounce. Show us the doors that need to be shut. Show us the doors that need to be opened. Because we're living in the last days right now. And evil is covering the land. Darkness is covering the land. And gross darkness the people. And you need us to arise and shine. We say yes to you. And last, Father, we pray. If there be any opportunities that you've given us that we have said no to when it was you, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask, Father, for your grace that those doors would come open again. Any door that we have said no to, that you have presented to us, either because of our fear, either because of doubt or unbelief, either because of pride, whatever we did to abort that, Father, we pray that you would once again open that door to us that we may step through and receive all that you have for us. That's what we want. We want to be and do what you've called us to be and do apart from our own works, apart from our own righteousness, which is as filthy rags. We thank you, Lord, for your white garment, clean and fresh. We put on your righteousness right now. We put on your righteousness right now. We receive the blood of Jesus for the cleansing and washing away of our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the miracles that we needed in our lives. We receive them right now. Right now. Right now as we're in this building. We receive it right now. Not because we're so good, but because you're so good. We receive the miracles right now. Right now. Right now doors are opening. Right now we receive healing for our bodies. Right now we receive the finances. Right now we receive the miracles. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now we receive it, Lord God. More than we could ever think or imagine. We receive it right now. Right now, we walk in your grace. Right now, we walk in your undeserved favor. Right now, we walk in your undeserved power and grace. Right now. 
Not one day, but we walk in it now. We receive it right now. At this moment, you're changing things. At this moment, you're putting our name on somebody's lips. At this very moment, they're writing the checks. At this very moment, favor has been released. At this very moment, angels have gone forth to make war and clear the path. At this very moment, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. At this very moment, now we are the sons of God. At this very moment, you have made a way where there was no way. At this moment, the walls of Jericho have fallen down flat. And we rise up and we go in and we receive the possession that you laid up for us. At this moment, we become the body of power. And Jesus is our head. at this moment. So Father, we enter in not by works, not by our performance, but we enter in into these blessings on the basis of grace, on the basis of what Jesus has done. We enter in on the basis of what you've done. We receive it now. I'm not sure what miracle you're believing God for. But receive it right now. Receive it right now. You don't have to see it to believe it. Believe it and you'll see it. Receive it right now. Not because you're so good, but because God is so good. But because God is so good. Because God is so good. Because God is so good. Continue to deal with us, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Continue to deal with us. All the weeks, Lord, continue to deal with us. Reveal, show, show and reveal. Lead us through the process, great Holy Spirit. Lead us through the process of repentance and confession. Lead us through the process that every not be removed. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.